0: This is God's Word. Thanks be to God. Lord, please open our eyes now and enable us to behold wonderful things from this, your Word. We pray through Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this week is Valentine's Day. maybe Wednesday, I can't exactly remember, but it's this It's this week. And, uh, it's, of course, it's a reminder, especially for the men like myself who uh, maybe uh, don't give it enough thought or planning or preparation. Uh, it's a reminder that we need to uh, up our game a little bit, ratchet up our uh, planning and our thinking about that. Um, it's a, as John was just praying, and I appreciated that prayer very much. It can be a hard week for many, uh, but it's also a great week for those Uh, who are married to celebrate their marriage and ask each other good questions. I gave you like 10 questions in your Friday email the last two weeks it's been in there. I've heard some have already participated in those conversations and it's been interesting, I believe, from what I have gathered. But um, with Valentine's Day, it is a reminder of love and all that happens in a marital relationship. Um, And one of the things that studies have shown is that uh, you have to keep saying, I love you. Now, there's sort of the old joke that, uh, you know, a man uh, was asked by his wife, why don't you still say that you love me? You, you know, you, 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 wh- wh- whatever happened to that? And he sort of said, well, I told you I loved you on when we got married, and if, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. So, well, the, the, the reality is, and we all know this, that love must be expressed. Uh, it must be shown in actions. Love must be demonstrated. And that's my theme of this sermon today. Love is not love if it's not shown, demonstrated, revealed or expressed in some way. And the number one way that you and I love others, the number one way that that love is demonstrated is when we die to ourselves. That's the way love is best demonstrated. When we die to ourselves and live (coughs) for others, give to others, serve others. And we get this from this passage of Scripture right here. Verse 6, for example. At the right time, Christ... doesn't say He had warm feelings for you. That He had nice, tender thoughts about us. No, while at the right time, Christ demonstrate he died for the ungodly it's the same principle um, that we think about in the christian faith between faith and works Um, james tells us in james chapter two um, we read these words what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him in other words that's a faith that's not really faith It's, it's a dead faith And it continues, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's the same idea of faith and works with love. Love If it does not have works, in a sense, if you will allow me to throw that word in here, verse 17, love, if it does not have works, is dead. It's not really love if it's not demonstrated, shown, revealed, expressed in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So how does love demonstrate itself that we see in this passage? Again, I said it dies to self. And let me give you three points, three ways that love dies to self. Number one, love dies to self for the weak. Love dies to self for the weak. Verse 6 reads, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died. Now, what does that mean, that we were weak? It's not talking about physical weakness, but spiritual weakness. Now, there's a sort of a theological concept here that speaks to this. It's called total depravity. It's the first. It's the T in tulip. If you are familiar with the five points of Calvinism, that's what total depravity means. Weakness, spiritual inability, moral inability. Those are other ways to say it. A total inability. And what it means is that all of us, every single one of us in here are born not wanting God, not seeking God. We're born with our shaking our fists at God. We won't choose God unless God first works in our hearts and enables us and draws us to himself and creates that new want to to choose him sometimes people will think about this and they'll they'll realize again kind of another theological term for it is original sin this nature that we have and original sin doesn't mean the first sin it doesn't mean the first sin that um, Adam and Eve committed in the garden no, original sin means that we we all originally we have this sinful nature um it it, it's a part of how we come into the world this sinful nature of course the the original the the first sin was in the garden of eden adam and eve and where they were told don't eat from this particular tree if you do then you'll die of course what happened was they ate and they died now it was a biological death that began at that point and then, of course, ultimately resulted in them lying in the grave. But even more so, it was spiritual death. That's total depravity. That's, that's what we have. That's what all of us are. And apparently, I didn't exactly get word for word this way, but the, uh, one of the Lutheran confessions says essentially that even the rocks are more virtuous than man. Because the rocks didn't rebel that's you and me, rebels at heart. So I ask you this morning, when you think about how love dies to, to self for the weak, and how do, how do you think of yourself? What do you think about man's ability? Many people say, you know, God does 99%, but but man has to do that, you know, that 1%, or, or some people say it's 50-50, but most Americans, it's kind of the God does 99%, but I've got to do the 1%. I like the way R.C. Sproul says it. He, he writes, The minute I am persuaded of that will be the minute I climb down from my pulpit because I would have no hope whatsoever that the work of evangelism would be successful or, the pre- or that preaching would bring any fruit. It would be like a preacher preaching the resurrection with great eloquence in the middle of a cemetery calling the corpses to come to life. We're weak. We're totally depraved. Now, totally depraved doesn't mean that you're as bad as you could be. In God's grace, He restrains that. But it means every aspect of our being, mind, will, and emotions, depraved perverted, um, broken, sinful. Every aspect of our being is that way. Again, not as bad as we could be because God is gracious and restrains that. But we're the ones who are weak. And what we see in Romans is that love dies to self for the weak. Again, this is you and me. And it should make us, when we're honest about our character, our nature, the sinful nature that we all have, it should make us very thankful. For the work of God and what He's done in our life. It should make us very humble. It should make us not at all self-righteous. That's This is us. I mean, Jesus... to himself in a sense now you know not not really because jesus didn't have a sinful nature that he had to die to but there's a sense in which he you you, maybe you could use that because he gave up his rightful place in heaven he he gave that up and came to earth for us and then he died literally for us the weak so this is us and and not only this but in christ we have an example for us we're called to die to self for the week. In our evangelism, we die to our comfort. We die to our desire to be liked. In our prayer, we pray for the week. And so we, we, we lose a little bit of sleep to get up earlier or stay up a little bit later to, to spend time praying, asking God to, to work and, and deal with folks and comfort and heal and, and move in their hearts, open their eyes to the truth of the gospel. And this is a pattern for us as well for how we should live our lives. This, this matter of compassion, it should characterize us because people are weak. People are sinful. And so we should be patient. We should be understanding. We should be gentle with people. It doesn't mean we lower our standards or that we avoid doing what's right. Jesus is an example of dying for the weak. And so that's for us. If if you're in some sort of leadership position or if you're a parent, you die to what you would like to do with your time for those you lead, for your children. Love dies to self for the weak. And then second, what we see here is that love dies to self for the weak. For the ungodly. Love dies to self for the weak, love dies to self for the ungodly, which is what you see here at the end of verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For whom did he die? For the ungodly. For people who have no ability to correct their very dire, sinful condition and situation. Which is you and me. And so when we think about this, again, it should make us very humble. Make us very thankful. It should rid us of all self-righteousness. Because Paul clarifies it here in verse 7. He adds to it. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. One commentary uh, put it this way. It's extremely rare that anyone would die in the place of someone who is upright. Though, if they are also warm and kind and good, then it might happen. But even a very loving person would not die for an evil one. A very good one? Possibly. But an evil or wicked one? No. And yet, here we are. Verse 8. While we were still sinners ungodly and as we'll look at in just a minute, enemies, Christ died for us. Love always shows itself in actions. Love always demonstrates itself. I want you to think about some of the different types of 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 God's love. C. S. Lewis of course of course has a great work on that. And uh, I'm not going to reference that here at this particular time, but um, R.C. Sproul notes that there are three types of of God's love. One is a a benevolence type of love, and a benevolence type of love is uh, God's just general demeanor or attitude that he has toward the world, and that is one of love, goodwill toward the world that's that's God's basic attitude and stance toward the the, wor- the the world it is um it is goodwill and that's a benevolence type of love and then there is beneficence which is not just goodwill but good acts God causes his reign to right to his, his reign to to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous the Bible says and that's God's goodwill expressed in actions but then there's a third type of love um, that I'm going to. I'm changing the word here to beloved love. One to make it also be a V, so that you can remember these things. But also because the other word, um, uh, I think, confuses things a matter matter, uh, in a, and that's okay for me to say it. It's because it's not Bible the Bible here that I'm quoting. I'm, I'm quoting Arsey Sproul, and I think he used a poor word. But anyway. <laughs> beloved love of god which is god's love for his son and god loves the son so much the father loves the son so much that when we're united to him we get all of that it it, we're like it's like we're collateral damage in a sense there's so much love for the son that it falls on us we are united to him and it comes to us as well you know there's this mardi gras parades are going on these days and when I was in junior high, we lived in um, in Slidell, Louisiana, which is, and we were involved in Mardi Gras parades. And then we moved; we lived in Fairhope before here. And Mobile always claims to be the originator of Mardi Gras, and Fairhope has parades as well. You know, you're, you're there, and people on the float, which I've never been on a float, but people on the float, they, you know, the, the parades are going on, and they're looking at everybody, and they're humming stuff, you know, plastic toys and beads and down in mobile and Pharaoh, it's moon pies they they hum moon pies at you and so all this stuff is coming at you and um and it you know it misses the person that that they're intending it for you know they throw it for the little kids and it it misses that person and so you get all the stuff that falls to the ground that there's a sense in uh, of that type of love of god for the son there's so much love for the son that when we're united to him we get it as well it comes to us as well Which is amazing because the Bible describes you and me as ungodly. And that's true. I mean, Jesus died for the weak, but he also died for the ungodly. I mean, we we may fancy ourselves as a good person. But the reality is there's nothing in you, there's nothing in me that makes us attractive to God. That makes him think, you know what, that that character right there, he... He really has done a great job i'm going i'm gonna i'm going reward him by no we're ungodly, dying to self for the weak for the ungodly you and me and and it's examples for us as well because people are difficult you're difficult i'm difficult we are all difficult we have a hard time getting along, but moving away from problems doesn't solve them that might ease the tension for a minute but in the Lord we see an example of God moving not away from ungodly people but toward them what do we do you know we see some ungodly behavior and we're flabbergasted we, we want to get away from that person we're, um, we're appalled at that we, we need to remember what, how the Bible describes us We need to quit being so self-righteous. Love moves toward the ungodly, not away. Third, love dies to self for enemies. Love dies to self for the weak. Love dies to self for the ungodly. And love dies to self for enemies, which is another wonderful explanation of who we are, right? Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Jesus said to love your enemies. In Matthew chapter five, he says, you've heard that it said love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy. Pray for him who persecutes you. Do good to them so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. You know, we we live in a world today that is gathering by by tribes and groups. You've you've got, uh, you know, going left, right, far left, left, right, far right. And it's kind of like everybody just sees the other one as an enemy because they're not in their particular camp. It's been said, and I had this as a quote in the Friday email, that constituencies... Demand that you vilify people they hate, and you know, as a pastor, um, it, it, it'd be very easy to talk about uh, talk bad about people who hate Christians, and you know, and I'd get maybe some attaboys from you or something like that. No, that's not what Christians do. We love people. We care about people. It's just part of following the example of the Lord Himself, who sees us as weak ungodly enemies and he comes to us and saves us it's the model of jesus and it's how we then should live our lives because this is how god operates we are called to die to self die to our rights right die to our comforts die to our reputation die die to our ambitions our dreams die to having control over our schedule our time die to self for the weak the ungodly for enemies. I just saw this yesterday. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick, he's a professional football player um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, played at Alabama, and um, he won he won some award. I don't even remember the name of the award, but it was kind of a character award. This is a great football player, a great Person in his home life, great person in the community. So he won some big award for all of that. And so in his speech, or at least in an interview afterwards, he said these things. Uh, He he won it, he'd had a lot of injuries this year. And so while he was uh, injured and not playing, he, he says these. I remember asking myself questions. I'm trying to be a better man. I'm trying to be a good man. And I remember asking myself the question, what is a good man? And as I was dwelling on it for weeks i've prided myself on being a good man but really what is that i'm sitting in my prayer time my quiet time god started speaking to me we won't get into the charismatic part uh, god started speaking to me telling me a, a good man is a dead man and at first i was like i don't really know what that means i want to live <laughs> but then he revealed it to me One of the first command requirements that Jesus gave his disciples was to take up his cross and to follow him. A lot of us think of the cross as gold crosses that we wear on the neck or we may have a tattoo. But the cross was an instrument of torture. It was an instrument of humiliation. It was an instrument for an evil cause. But what Jesus did when he got on the cross was turn it into a beautiful thing. The fact that he died on that cross and made the cross a beautiful thing is what God was saying to me. A good man is a dead man. A good man is a man who's willing to pick up his cross and follow Jesus. A good man is a man who's willing to get up on that cross daily, sometimes multiple times throughout the day, pin his flesh to it, and continue to follow Christ. That's the idea. Love dies to self. And, and we, we all like to think that we're... Loving because we have some tender thoughts for somebody. We have, a, you know, we have a, some affection for someone. But we're not loving until it's shown. We're not loving until it's demonstrated in actions and behaviors. Another writer put it this way. It is altogether too easy to love and care in the abstract. Concrete situations of diapers, debts, divorce... Or listening to and being with someone in depression and despair is the real test of love. All of us are tempted to audit life rather than to participate fully and to be tested by it. I'm going to read that last sentence again. All of us are tempted to audit life. I've never taken an audit class, but what I understand is you sit in there and you... You kind of get a lot of information, but you don't really engage in it. You don't have to take the test and all that. All of us are tempted to audit life rather than to fully participate and be tested by it. We're not loving. I'm not loving. You're not loving. We're not following the example of the Lord Himself until it's demonstrated, until it shows itself in action. And we can do that when we remember God's great love for us. While we were yet weak, ungodly enemies... Christ died for us. So, for whom are you dying? For whom are you demonstrating love? One of the great preachers in Scotland in the 19th century, century was a guy named George Matheson. And uh, he had very poor eyesight from birth and throughout his growing up years. Um, after studies in, in high school and college, uh, he became almost completely b- blind. Where All he could really see were some shadows and, and shades of, of darkness or light. At one point, he was involved with a young woman, uh, but that ended because she didn't want to be married to a blind guy and spend the rest of her life with uh, a man who was blind. And then his sister really served as his assistant. She, she wrote his letters. She dictated, uh, received received dictation for his sermons. Um, and she, I mean, she was instrumental to him. And then she uh, ended up getting married. And so she, she, in a sense, left him too. I mean, not that they were estranged, but she wasn't able to be that for him anymore. And so in his grief and feeling alone, uh, and it's believed probably from both, the, the young woman who left him and then his sister who had to leave him because of marriage he penned a poem that we've turned into a hymn And the hymn is O Love That Will Not Let Me Go O Love That Will Not Let Me Go I rest my weary soul in thee I give thee back the life I owe that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer fuller be O oh, joy that seekest me through pain I cannot close my heart to thee I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not in vain that morn shall tearless be O oh, cross that liftest up my head I dare not ask to fly from thee I lay in dust life's glory dead And from the ground there blossoms red, life that shall endless be. You know, you can only have that type of love for God when you recognize that you are weak, ungodly enemies of God. And He has saved us despite all of that. He has demonstrated His own love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that makes us humble. It makes us thankful. It makes us sing things like this. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would enable us all to demonstrate love for others. Following your example and having your love for us flow out from us onto others. May we be so aware of your great love that we joyfully die to self and love the weak, the ungodlies, enemies, everyone. And it's through Jesus.